and welcome to episode 210 of SMARTS, which, as you know, stands for Some Mother Assigned Rubies to Sisters. Ooh. Ooh. I am your host, Julia Guglia of Internet Fame-Podcaster. And with me, as always, is Trevor, a.k.a. Rudiger Q Podcaster. Hello. So there's only one little bit of news this week. Do? So we have a Selena Kyle for the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson, the Batman movie. Whoa. So actress Zoe Kravitz, uh-huh. who um, got her start, her, her breakout role was in X-Men First Class. She's been in, uh, what's it called, Big Little Liars recently, which is a show with uh, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and other people. <laughs> um, she's been in a bunch of other movies. I think she was she in... Um, I'm not sure. Did she have a role in... I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember. But she's... she's um, She's blowing up all over the place, apparently. She also, uh, funnily enough, played Selena Kyle. She voiced Selena Kyle in uh, one of the Lego Batman games. Oh, that's awesome. So this is actually her second time playing the character. She's the daughter of singer Lenny Kravitz. Oh, okay. And the stepdaughter, I think, stepdaughter of Jason Momoa. So it's like a weird <laughs> collision of of, uh, of things. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, she's she's apparently very well, like she's getting lots of rave reviews for stuff she does and now she's going to be selena kyle in the batman oh wow so this is the second not counting you know actresses that have voiced her but not played her in live action second um non-white selena kyle after earth was it eartha kit um in the 1960s batman show who was the third you're forgetting Halle berry right that's true Well, did I say the, the did I say the first you did said I say second. the second non-white Catwoman or the second non-white Selena Kyle? Because Halle Berry didn't technically play Selena Kyle; she played Prudence Goodwife or whatever the heck the character's name was. <laughs> Prudence uh, Goodwife. Um, but yes, so it is right. I, that barely counts. But yes, you're right. Of course, there there was that. So so it looks like the casting is heating up. That's going to be exciting. People. That's going to be exciting. And that's the only bit of news. Mm, that's so what was your, awesome. What was your comic of the week this week? Um, so this week I picked House of Whispers number 14 because honestly I really like the way the story wrapped up for the neighbor of um, the neighbor of the house that we were following uh, in last week's issue where she was in a, a clearly unhealthy abusive relationship and she somehow um, because because next door to her um, our protagonists were burying one of their own, and so they were they took corporeal form and were so close to her that she got some of their magic somehow uh, strong enough so that she was able to, I don't know, hatch an egg and manifest a cockatrice that represented her anger. And that went on a rampage last time, but that we caught up with it this time, and she actually was able to save the day at the end of the issue and own her own anger and solve her own problems and just be glorious while doing it it was really really nice and cathartic and i really really enjoyed the art and i enjoyed the story the way it wrapped up and the interactions the conversations were written as if somebody really really went through that experience because there are just certain gaslighting moments and traits of um a perpetrator who does this within that within the confines of a relationship that just it's just uh it's so nice to see them get a sock in the face so to speak uh on the printed page so that's why i picked it for my comic of the week this has probably been my favorite uh, couple of issues of house of whispers it, it really has a, it really reminds me a lot of the neil gaiman 
Sandman series. Maybe the dialogue isn't quite as sharp, um, but it's it's having a, a, a human character here that we mm-hmm. actually get to delve into for mm-hmm. a, a couple of issues solid, not jumping back and forth between a bunch of different crazy goings on. Right. Um, this felt a lot more character driven than the series, which has been very, very plot driven so far. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sometimes at the cost of at the cost of characterization, but I feel mm. like these have been the strongest couple of issues. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, I kind of get the sense that this was sort of a an odd interlude, and it might oh, probably might not be very reflective of the direction of the series, which is probably going to go back to the mm-hmm. really cosmic stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was it was quite good. So I picked Wonder Twins number eight. Oh, I was going to pick that. That was my runner-up. I'm really enjoying Wonder Twins. Oh. Uh, guest art this issue, right, by by Mike Norton, not the traditional Stephen Byrne, but. Um, done in a similar style and colored, I think, in a, in a similar very way. Similar. So it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a it was a great issue. Uh, Zan and Jane are throwing a a reunion dance right, yeah. for uh, for the alumni. One of which is the principal, and the other which is the librarian. The librarian, and they yeah. had like a, a romance they, back they in the day, chance. and then they broke up. Yeah, <clears throat> Zan kind of lets it go to his head and becomes like a. A uh, hard-nosed, mustachioed pit boss. Yes, that's right. Of the of because the, he was supposed ca- to, of the, of the, of the reunion casino. casino. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Zena is trying to uh, apologize to Polymath, mm-hmm. uh, who is in the middle of a breakout, mm-hmm. which is because she's brilliant. remarkably easy to break out. Because well, it's juvie. Yes, there was a lot of there was a lot of planning involved, but ultimately they just walked through an open gate, so right. not the highest of high securities. Um, especially since it's like it's a juvie, but it's like supervillain juvie. Like these are all metahumans and super criminals. They're not just regular juvie inmates. Right. So you would think they would have a bit more security, but whatever. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of the, 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 great, the great Mark Russell mix of humor, um, oddly poignant slice of life and bizarre socio, socio-political farce. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he's sort of known for. Um, really great. You should really go back and read it. I know we mention it all the time, but you should go back and read his unfortunately cut short Prez series, which is like such a oh, biting. You were loving such, that such a issue, biting indictment of yes. Of I think it was pre-Trump. It was so it wasn't skewing the modern American politics. Well, it was skewing modern American politics, but not like <clears throat> modern modern American politics. It was mm-hmm. skewing sort of our modern culture and technology mm-hmm. and political discourse in a very um, very savage way. So mm-hmm. yeah. So you ready to move on to your pop quiz? I'm ready. Okay, this week, because of stuff that's been happening in Titans, I'm going to quiz you about the Connor Kent Superboy. Oh, okay. Okay? Okay. All right, so question number one. These are all multiple choice for okay. your for your Thank God. satisfaction. <laughs> all right, number one. Who created Superboy? <laughs> okay. Was it Jeff Johns and Mike McCone, Marv Wolfman and George Perez, Dan Jurgens, or Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet? Um, I like the name Grummet, so I'm going to pick that. <laughs> yes, it was Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet. Yay! <laughs> All right, number two. Mm-hmm. In, what, in what year did he debut? Okay. 1986, 1993, 2001, or 2003? 86. No, it was 1993. Oh, Zero Hour, Infinite Crisis, or Final Crisis? Jeez. Uh, infinite Earths. Infinite. Crisis on Infinite Earths? Crisis Earth? on Infinite Earths. Say Crisis again. Christ, 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 Christus? So they said Christ on Infinite Earths. All right. No, it was Infinite Crisis. <laughs> okay. I, I don't. Okay. All right. Number four. <laughs> yeah. 
The new 52 version of Superboy was created by which secret organization? Oh, Cadmus. Nowhere, Hive, Checkmate, or Argus? I guess neither of those. <laughs> um, checkmate. No, it was Nowhere. Okay. <clears throat> All right, number five. Superboy's first TV appearance was on what show? Lois and Clark, Smallville, Young Justice, or Titans? No, it can't be Smallville. Uh, Titans, I think. Well, you know that Young Justice came out before Titans. Oh, you listed Young Justice. Yeah, you got to You said to... live action. No, I didn't. I said which TV, Superboy's first TV appearance, and then I literally listed Young Justice. Okay, well, it's Young Justice. <clears throat> no, it's Smallville. Was it really? Mm-hmm. That's so weird. No, why? What? No, it couldn't be Smallville. Sure what? it was. They <laughs> followed a Superboy as he grew into a Superman. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, but he was there. <sighs> you have to tell me the it episode Deep now. in the background. No, he, there was actually an episode. Was it called Connor? Or was it called? What was it called? I can't remember. But he was there in the final season, wearing the shirt and everything. What? Yep, he was there. So you got, let's see, one, because you like Grummet. Yes, All right. exactly. That's not, not your best performance. <laughs> no. All right, so, shows. Shows. So we get a bunch Spoilers, of shows. Spoilers, here you be warned. So, Star Wars Resistance. You okay? Uh, I felt like this was a better episode. Hold on, list all the shows. So oh, Star Wars Resistance, Star Trek, well, short tracks. Not Star Trek Discovery per se. Batwoman, Supergirl, Flash, Black Lightning, and Titans. Yep. So Star Wars Resistance. I thought this was a better episode than the premiere. I just felt like the stakes were a little higher. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, they didn't spend a whole season bumbling around trying to find a car. They got there at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Only to find that it had been bombed by the First Order at the beginning of The Last Jedi. So yep. at this point, presumably, depending on where we are in the timeline... The the resistance is either on their very, very slow getaway yeah. from the First Order in The Last Jedi, or they've already made it to Crate, mm-hmm. or they've already escaped from Crate in the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. So we're somewhere around there. Um, so presumably they'll meet up. I mean, it's not. I highly doubt we're going to go a whole season without seeing Leia or Poe or any of those characters again. I think they're probably going to catch up to the resistance by the end of the season, hopefully mm-hmm. you know, earlier than that, so that we can see some adventures in there somewhere and we can see the cast from the movies play the mm-hmm. play the roles for animation again um tam less frustrating in this episode just because she's played a bit more sympathetically mm-hmm. she seems like she's starting it, it is a bit of a it is a little jarring after the last because last episode she was so i understand people cool off and they start to regret yeah. their actions and everything but i felt like maybe if there had been a beat between last episode and this episode where she sees something or hears something that that causes her to to doubt and Mm -hmm. have recriminations. Instead, it just seems like last episode, she was died in the wool first order. And in the beginning of this episode, she's listening to Kaz's recording so so mournfully. And she's, you know, she's like, oh, you really get the sense she wouldn't have turned it in Mm -hmm. if Elijah Wood there hadn't forced her to. And she's like literally, she's practically like literally like tugging on her shirt neck and biting her nails while they're about to blow up the Colossus Mm -hmm. at the end there. So I don't know, it felt a a little sharp turn for the character but at least she's playing being played a bit more sympathetically here um, do you have anything else to say about this episode well it's cat it seems to be catching up with what i was telling you because i feel like i know exactly what the writers are doing and i'm totally buying into it like i actually i 
believe her to be capable of making such dumb mistakes as to get her into that situation. And I know that Elijah Wood character there, if he hadn't spotted her, she wouldn't have turned them in. Um, She's mad at them. She's made her choice in her own best interest and to get herself removed from the situation that was getting her nowhere and uh, keeping her among people that she thought just lied to her and betrayed her and didn't even, you know, she felt alone and now she feels as part of a group. And I can understand um, a character wanting to do that. And (sighs) I'm sure they have really great Kool-Aid. No, it's um, <laughs> no, you. it's to 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 clarify. It's not that I feel like her character is being poorly written necessarily. Yeah. I think she's being well written as someone who made a really dumb decision and right. deserves to pay for it. Yes, like that's that's my position. Um, so Star Trek Discovery or Short Tracks, I guess we should say this one was called the the Trouble with Edward. So this is the big we la- we discover throughout the episode the big Tribble origin. Yeah, or I guess not Tribble origin because they already exist. They already this is the exist origin of their reproductive rapidity. Right. Um. So much like spoilers for a 15-year-old Enterprise episode, much like humans were ultimately responsible for massive upheavals in the Klingon mm-hmm. in Klingon culture and yeah. Klingon genetics, it yep. turns out they're also responsible for a massive upheaval in the Tribble mm-hmm. genetics, which actually also led to further massive upheavals in the Klingon, the Klingon culture, society yeah. because mm-hmm. they almost overran Klingon planets and forced the Klingons to like go to war with them. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, like the Klingons have got to be like, okay, okay, humans. Like you kind of feel sorry for them, right? No wonder they they keep declaring war on Earth. It's yeah. the humans keep, first Archer and now this idiot keep, uh, keep messing up their society, right? It's the science guild to be blamed, really what it is. But this was, this was, I don't know, like maybe, maybe the, the mud uh, short from the last series of shorts was more out and out comedy than mm-hmm. this was um i don't know is this is this like the most like high farce that that the that, yes. the, that we've ever ridiculous. seen on star trek it was wonderful and ridiculous it almost and I loved it, it. it almost strains credibility that someone like this could even make it into star you know what i mean like it starts to strain credibility a little bit like this is a, this is like i think what some like not that i didn't enjoy it i thought it was a lot of fun it's I, hilarious as as a one-off yeah you know like i but i, I wouldn't want ev- i wouldn't want a whole series like this i wouldn't want a, what's a whole, that actor's name because i've 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 oh. heard his he, he does so voices, Bob Berg, Bob's Burgers and stuff. Yeah. It's a three three name thing, like you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt or something. Right, right. Obviously not him, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want all the short treks to be like this, and I certainly want to, wouldn't want a whole series like this. I think this is kind of what some people are worried the lower decks might be is just like idiots doing funny things on a starship. But mm-hmm. I think the premise for that is going to be like there are inherently funny things that happen in Star Trek and these characters are not like goofy, funny characters. They're just hardworking grunts on an, a ship that doesn't get any respect and funny things happen because, you know, zany things happen in Star Trek. It's just instead of being treated completely seriously like they are in most Star Trek, these characters are kind of aware of how insane everything is and yep. they get remarked upon. Whereas this is like ridiculous things are happening and there's a ridiculous character at the center of it, you know? And you get this the straight person in the form of... Captain Rosa Salazar there, whatever mm-hmm. her name was. She did, a re- she did a really good job. She, she was tremendous. There was sort of, was there kind of a, I don't know, it, maybe it's hard It's hard these days not to read certain, um, I don't want to use the word agendas, but certain um, certain things into episodes like this. Like, did this really seem like the kind of thing where like, especially because she's called before a board of inquiry at the end. Right. Where like a smart, capable woman ends up taking the fall for like this idiot man. This idiot man child who just who somehow managed to rise to a position well above his me well above mm-hmm. his capabilities and ends up bringing everybody down and except he gets to you know 
I guess he dies under a mountain of tribbles and nobody's yeah. ever going to remember his name. So it's not like things ended up ended well for him. I don't know. I just seeing her call before the board of inquiry at the end. Hopefully she mm-hmm. was able to deflect pass with flying colors. Right. But, yeah. But it's, it, it kind of felt like, yeah, this is the lot of uh, even in the future. Sometimes, you know, capable yeah. women are going to get dragged down by idiot man-child white man who who uh, can't get past their own self-importance. You know? did, did you, were you aware of that sort of the subtext? thread throughout no. the whole thing? No, Yeah, it was, I, I was just watching felt it like, I see her, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, well, you're supposed to Good. feel, but that's that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to feel sort of, yeah, no, yeah. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I thought it was really enjoyable. That was tremendous. Yeah. I think the dialogue was Im- unbelievable. And again, with the, um, <laughs> the, the, the editor needs to get an award because the way that it's paced, somebody understands comedy timing to be able to edit this so perfectly. Um, it's just not easy. The conversation specifically when they had this, this conversation is over. I, I could just keep talking and then the that, conversation isn't over. I felt like that was, I like that, that, that level that was of the only silliness. Scene, that was, was the only great. scene where it felt like it went on. A, like they were trying to no. do the thing where... They were trying to do the thing where it's funny and then it goes on so long that it stops being funny, but then it keeps going on so long that it becomes funny again and it didn't quite wrap around that way maybe for not that for you but for me like i just protracted. i don't know i liked it and then of course much. we have it's ridiculous because i can i can watch bob's burgers actor who whatever his name is and i'm sorry that i don't remember it um i could i could just watch him for a long time because he's hilarious h, h john benjamin is that it Something for some like reason that, that, that just sounds, popped into my head yeah and of course we have the secret weapon of these short tracks the uh, the tactical pike deployment at the beginning yes there. we get one minute of <laughs> man just to but just that to was charm nice. us all into submission. But that was nice because it established her credentials and relationship, and also yeah, gave her like, a little oh, bit of a Pike fun sort of character. Yeah, exactly. If Pike thinks this person ship, then we're instantly on board, right? Like that's right. a smart shorthand 100%. way of telling yep. us establishing because, uh, the character. Because otherwise, if we if we if we start immediately on this ship, mm-hmm. we're like, is she? Does she know what she's doing as a captain? She's letting this guy run amok. Like, yeah. you know, she, he's disruptive in meetings, and she's not really. You know what I mean? We're like, does but, this person deserve their own ship? But by having Pike. You know, and bless her. Right. And she's not like this kowtowed person. She's absolutely no. on equal footing been, with him. Yeah. She's it would have been an unfair it would have been him. an unfair assessment on our part, but having no context, right. maybe we're like, Oh, maybe this episode is trying to show what happens when a, a not so great captain lets someone run amok. Like right. we don't know because we don't know who this person is. But so you give us that little bit of pike at the beginning. Right. And you see her in charge in the meeting. Like she's actually yeah. Functioning it's not that really she was well, doing no, wrong, no, she it wasn't. Would be, it would be some. You could write this episode where we look on her a little less favorably because she ultimately does. It all happens under her watch, and ultimately the buck does stop with her, right? right. Like she ended up losing her ship. Yeah. So and letting you know, loose the and is responsible uh, for yeah exactly and letting loose a new species of uh, triple, which right, that probably set human Klingon relations back another fifty years and forced an already destitute planet to have to evacuate. Right. So not great. I was actually just curious because, okay, in Trouble for Tribbles, the original, the, um, they established the fact that they need to be able to eat in order to be uh, comfortable enough and, and nourished enough to breed. And what were they eating? I mean, they, they said, okay, they were eating the ship components, well, but who like, was feeding all these Tribbles? Well, I think they only need the slightest, because remember what Worf said in um, Trials and Tribulations, if you feed, the, feed them even the smallest morsel, soon you'll have 10, then 100, then 1,000, right? So I kind of feel like they literally just only need like one little pellet of food or a, or a bit of paper or, you know, right, right. somebody dropped a piece of lettuce on the floor of their, of their mess and hall now or something. There's a hundred of That's them. all you need to get a whole new generation of them, you know? So right. I find it, especially as they start to overrun the ship, I find it, and people are like dropping their stuff and running away from them. And I find it easy to believe that they could, who knows, maybe they even eat cloth, right? Like right. You never chewing know. on people's uniforms. I mean, like we don't know, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> 
Why don't we? So generally, I talk because the CW shows I tend to listen in the order in which they aired. But why don't we? Why don't we save Batwoman for last since it's the new yeah. show? Uh, but we got new seasons of Supergirl and Flash and Black Lightning. In mm-hmm. fact, we've watched two Supergirl episodes. Yep. And two Batwoman episodes. Should but we we'll get to that? Should what? we watch? Should we talk about both of them, or should we keep? Yeah, the we'll pace? talk about both of them because okay. otherwise we're just going to fall behind. Right. Um, so I'm enjoying this new season of Supergirl so far. So the the big thing, the big new things here seem to be a focus on, whereas last season was was very sort of political, politically minded. Right, like, sure. Um, this season is focusing, and I guess you could say the same thing is true of this this season's topic, but it's less immigration and racism and more um, obsession with technology that this season is going to be oh, focusing okay. on. Um, and so we get a, a few new characters. We get, you know, Lena is working on this new technology. We get this mm-hmm. new AI, Hope, who's obviously a manifestation of technology. All of our characters are like what's going on with these VR contact lenses that right. people are wearing mm-hmm. we get a new character um whose name is escaping me it's something Ro- andrea rojas was that her was yes, that her name rojas, um yeah. who's the new uh head of catco because lena sold catco to this person who's the one who runs this right tech company this biotech company um, as well. yeah she brings in this uh hotshot guy from from England, England, who's a new reporter, who's going to be like a new competition for Kara. So we get a, a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new situations. James is out at the, I almost said the Daily Planet, um, is out at CatCo, and he's considering whether to, what what new path to take. And remember me mentioning last season, I don't, don't know we don't know if we talked about it in the show, but I know I mentioned to you that the actor is leaving the show, McCard Brooks is leaving the show. So oh. I think they're going to have him go yeah, and take right. one of these jobs and leave National City or something. Yeah. And that'll be how they write him off the show. Um a lot of happy couples so far. Yep. Uh, Kelly and Alex are happy together. Mm-hmm. Nia and Brainy are happy together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these were these were some good. And the stuff with Jean is interesting too, right? Like Malaf. It's, it's weird because in every other live action appearance he's been in, they've pronounced it like Malafaak. Like because you know sometimes the Martian names are pronounced with the sort of yeah, guttural with stops this, with the apostrophes, right. and other times they just blow right through it. This time, this show is definitely taking the blow right through it thing because it's Jean, not Jean, like it is on right. Justice, for example. But Malefic just seems like really Malefic? you named him Malefic, but anyway, um, <laughs> voiced by Phil Lamar, which is awesome, yep. obviously. Um, we're just running down the list of Justice League voice actors. We got Carl Lovelina. <laughs> we got uh, we got uh, Phil Lamar, and soon we'll have uh, Kevin Conroy in person, right? So I'll now, be thoroughly. Um, we almost got Michael Rosenbaum, but for <laughs> but for an illness in the family, right? Like we talked yes. about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now we just need Maria Canal, Susan Eisenberg, and uh, George Newbern. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting thing that his brother, and it's straight out of the comics too, that his brother was like this this evil guy and you've seen him in other animation but yeah i think it's even in the comics that his brother like sold out the green martians to the white martians and was responsible oh. for all the deaths and so on i think that's straight out of the comics too um yeah it's all in, it's all interesting stuff yep. I'm, I'm enjoying the season so far me too and flash we have uh, we got a new costume i like the new costume it took to the end of the first episode to get it supergirl's got a new costume as she's well. she's got a new costume too but i feel like so much has I been made of that already pants! The, my, that's my favorite I, the, i'm fine with the pants i mean i love the pants the traditionalist in me is like I don't know, like, it, it is old-fashioned, the skirt and everything else. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, that's just, like, what Supergirl looks like. So it is, it'd be like putting Superman in shorts. I'm like, yeah, like, it's fine, <laughs> I guess. But it's, like, it's not traditionally. Um, but I'm, I'm fine with the pants. I'm fine with the different style. And the only thing that I'm not crazy about is how bulk, bulky the shoulders are. Like, she's wearing, like, this armor, these almost big armored shoulder pads, almost. Um, you'll, you see it if you look for it. Like, her shoulders, you know, there's, like, a... I'm not sure what the armor term for it is, but there's, like, there's... A section of the suit which right. is like raised there to me it, it makes it look a little clunky in the shoulders i think they could streamline it a little bit and still keep the basic design but the pants and the gold and the silver trim and everything is fine but I, and the shoulders seem a little bulky to me but it's a minor thing um 
Yeah, but so much has been made of that already. I like the new flash suit. I think this might be my favorite one so far because my um, I like the brighter red color from last season. But yes. I, but I really felt like without the chin part of it, mm-hmm. it, it like Grant Gustin has this very thin angular face, and mm-hmm. it just it 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 wasn't working for me. Like, and the way that the suit, the, the cheeks of the suit would kind of bulge outward would kind of like fold outward right, when he turned right. his head certain ways like you you could really feel like it was they say oh you know what let's take the chin away because he never really had the chin in the comics until recently so right. let's make it more traditional but you could kind of tell that the suit wasn't really designed for him for that yeah you know it was designed for Grant. they even said when they when they gave it the chin originally mm-hmm. they're like we know it's not that way in the comics but it works better for his facial structure and they were right they shouldn't mm-hmm. have second guessed themselves so now that the chin is back the suit itself is, if anything, it's an even brighter red. It's got a bit more added texture in parts, and it has little yellow piping, lightning bolt piping in certain parts, kind of like the way the modern costume kind of glows yellow on certain, has certain like glowing yellow lines mm-hmm. on it when he's using his speed um, that sort of breaks up the red a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I always remember the thing where Bruce Tim was like, the reason why they gave the Flash costume a bit of a, a more crimson, darker color in Justice League because they didn't want him to just look like a big tomato running around all the time because it's just, it's unbroken. Like it's all red with the exception of the gold around his waist and the symbol, right? Right. So you kind of feel like you want to break it up a little bit, especially in live action. Otherwise, it's just this big red thing. Like even the Justice League movie, for example, gave it almost like that segmented look. Right. That kind of gave it a bit more visual interest. So I really like it. Um, we get a new character, the the new villain of the season in the offing, whose name I can't remember. But he's <laughs> well, I'll, I'll learn these names as they go along. The guy that's going to become Bloodwork, the guy whose mother right. died and is an old yes. friend of Caitlin. You you get you get villain vibes coming off of him pretty quickly. You're like, um, oh, here's yeah. a, here's how we sympathetically set up a villain. So it's a little too early to tell with him. He's being well acted and everything, but like he's basically already turned villain. By the right. end of this episode, yeah. he gets his powers and he's like doing evil things. So I'm like, all right, it's it's a little quick. Um, but we do get some interesting new developments here. Um, Caitlin has got an interesting new balance to be struck with Killer Frost, where she's right. kind of going to let Killer Frost out more to have a bit more of her own life. Um, Barry and Iris are trying to deal with the fallout of Nora's death. Right. Um, they get the, the one message they had from her gets like blown up in the little uh, time vault there. And then later we learn at the end that the monitor did that Yeah. for reasons. Why did he do that? I can't remember now because he came there because he wanted Barry to prepare for his death. Right. But what did? Why did he have to blow up the recording to do that so that they would not, so that they could move forward and accept death or something? I can't remember what his rationale was. He did have one, but I can't remember what it was because he remember. caused it to self-destruct. Uh, I thought he was style, yeah, but I can't yeah. remember what the reason was, was. I don't remember. So the the villain here was kind of interesting. It wasn't really a villain; it was more of a threat, I guess. So we get this this uh, I guess vlogger. The science vlogger, yeah. a DIY science vlogger, Chester P. Runk, yeah. who in the comics is one of Wally's not childhood friends. Or like they, they went to like school together or something, and his nickname is Chunk. You know, Chester, oh, P., is got it, Chester yeah. P. Runk Chunk. And that's his thing is that he basically – do you remember that one Just the Unlimited episode? It was the Booster Goal episode where the scientist was walking around literally with this black hole where his – stomach should be yeah. and he was sucking all sorts of stuff into him. that's kind of what Chunk is in the comics he's, just, he's big and he's really he's really fat in the comics so there's no other oh, okay. way to say it hence the nickname Chunk right Right. but he has this black hole inside him and it can so he's like this metahuman friend of Wally's and everything so they, they adapt him a little bit here and sort of put a twist on it mm-hmm. I like the I like the thread with Iris 
wanting to get the jacket back. Yeah. It was, and, and they, they did, it was a really, really nice piece of writing too. Cause she could have just said, oh, it's all I have left of Nora or something, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which would be true. But, but the, the, the line they gave her where she's like, I just feel like it's the kind of thing a parent would say, even though it doesn't make any sense. Like, like yeah. in my mind, she's going to need it one day. Like she's yeah. like this, what if my daughter needs her jacket? Like she could be cold, <laughs> like she's dead and she never existed. It doesn't matter. Right. But it's the right. kind of nonsensical parent yeah. brain lizard brain thing that would that you would say you know what i mean yeah those scenes were well done <clears throat> joe's getting used to being captain mm-hmm. um we don't have a new we don't have a new uh wells yet we're gonna get a new well soon i would imagine more, more than one because we got the first i don't know if i showed well you saw one of the group shots but mm-hmm. we've seen now some shots of tom cavanaugh in his pariah yeah. costume for the crisis but we haven't seen with the new ongoing Wells we're going to get for the season is we're going to get some new one that apparently is they say is their favorite one since the original funny which I guess the original means fun right it depends (laughs) what they mean by the original Wells um yeah I thought this was a good premiere vibe was also um you know they didn't give him a lot to do but it was evident I'm happy to have him back because there were rumors that he was leaving the show and that's why they got rid of his powers we even talked about it when we were talking about the finale last season oh I see well no it's interesting because he's feeling like he wants to be part of Team Flash in this capacity and he doesn't really miss his vibe stuff I mean there are a couple things that he mentioned that he missed like I don't know vibing to another room to get a beer or something like that but he's cracking jokes about it he's comfortable with his transition um, in life and and you know and he also is sort of establishing himself to be appreciated for all the technological stuff that he has to do day to day. And um, um, he's reminding the team like his value in that capacity. And I think that's awesome, too. One thing that doesn't really make a great deal of sense is that they 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 used him a lot in earlier seasons to teleport like Elongated Man and Killer Frost, for sure. example, to the heart of the action so they could be there as fast as the Flash is. Right. Now they don't have that. And they're just like. They don't. They don't explain how they got there. So, like, did did Ralph get in his car and drive for thirty minutes yeah, to get? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, it's one thing on Arrow, right? Because everybody is basically of equal speed. They've all got to take their motorcycles or whatever. Right. But here, where the Flash can get to the danger in half a second, is he going to like sit there and wait an right. hour for everybody else to show to up? Show but up, they don't. Yeah. They did no explanation. Like, I don't care. It's you know, it's it doesn't matter. I just think it's kind of funny that they they established that that was how everybody could keep up with him yeah. and fight as a team. And now there's just no 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 reason why it would be that easy anymore. But that's fine. Um, and we get the big ominous monitor appearance at the end, where he's like, "Okay, Barry, you've got two right. months to live, basically." Yep. Um, and so that's going to be the the thing hanging over the first half of the season. The two main threads of the first half of the season are going to be dealing with blood work and. Barry basically coming to terms with the fact that he's going to die and preparing Team Flash to carry on without him after right. he's gone, basically. Yeah. Those are going to be the two big threads. And then the crisis will be like the midpoint of the season. And then based on what happens there, we'll which see. obviously we have no idea what's going to happen there, that that'll propel the back half of the season. So Black Lightning, we also the first uh, first episode of Black Lightning mm-hmm. back this season. Um, I, I I like this. To me, it seemed like a, boy, this is one of those boy that escalated quickly kind of moments. <laughs> Where I felt like last season, yeah, there was the thing with the pod kids and all the stuff, but all of a sudden, they're the, all jailed. What up. is it? The the NRA, the DEO, the ASA. That's ASA. It, ASA. There you go. They they they've got like the entire city under like a force Quarantine. field bubble. Yeah. And they're they've imposed martial law, and they're like, I don't, like when did all this happen? Yeah. Like they they have a force field bubble. Yeah. Like so, I don't know. Like that that seemed a little. A little much for the show, like a little outside of the the realm of what the show normally operates. But but I do like the, I, I mean, as usual, what the show is is best at is taking these sort of superhero tropes and looking at them through the lens of like 
I mean, I'm the whitest guy in the world, but like the black <laughs> experience, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So they're they've they're this whole oh the ASA is you know clamping down a metahumans thing is here an analogy for, you know, police mm-hmm. overreach as pertains to African Americans yeah. and you know the the threat of violence that they live under and the snatched up off the street or the you know what I mean all, yeah. all these all these things that we read about all the time, um, with the ASA standing in for like overzealous police officers or what have you right yeah. Um, so all that's all that's interesting stuff. I did find it a little odd that after um, Bill Duke there, what's his name, Agent, oh something no, or other. I can't. I'm terrible. Who names Odell? Today. Odell, that's it. Yeah. Bill Duke is the name of the actor. Um, came to them at the end of the last season. I'm like, oh, they're going to like decide to work for him. And here we learn that Jefferson basically agreed to work for him if they leave his family out of it. Right. Except for his wife, who's already basically employed yeah. by him. Yeah. And then we cut to this season, and he's like. Tormented? He's, he's unkempt and he's been in like under under surveillance. He's sur- been under lockdown. Yeah, and like undergoing, and he's like losing it in some of those interrogation scenes yeah, we see, right? Yeah. Um, for like a month or, or a couple of months mm-hmm. or whatever, he's been in this thing. And I'm like, why did they do this to him if he willingly agreed to help them? Yeah, like it'd be one thing if they want to keep him on lockdown there, yeah, so that he can't go out and undermine them or so they can study his powers or whatever. But why did they have to like put him in the same like sensory deprivation practically that they did for all the. Mm-hmm. Like the kids that they pulled in who yeah. were like their actual targets. That seemed mm-hmm. unwise. Yeah. I don't know what they're what they're hoping to accomplish there. Um, and Anissa's going out but not as thunder as, what do they call it? Blackbird? No, Songbird something like that. No, it was that. Blackbird. Was it Blackbird? It was Blackbird, Blackbird yeah. Um, I guess because thunder is inextricably mm-hmm. tied to yes, Black, Black Lightning, Lightning and, and she doesn't so want to like that. Yeah. tar their reputations. Right. Um, and she, she also can't operate. Some part of their condition was that uh, right now they have to all lay low. Yes, you're right. That's the other thing, and that's because why. they're all being hunted. And supposedly some of the NSA, uh, ASA. But why would they be hunted if Jefferson took a plea, essentially a plea deal to protect them, though? Because um, the reason the I ASA, understand why she can't no, go no, out no, and no, fight no. crime, but why are they being hunted? Because Odell, I think I don't know if he works for. Okay, I don't. I don't know this the is, command structure here. This is the part that I was here, a little confused by. But I don't think that they can be exempt from this deal, like because. The ASA is hunting down all the people that have meta powers in this in this no, bubble. I understand in that. this bubble. And so if they continue to operate, how are they going to establish the fact that they're exempt? Like somebody's gonna start asking questions. Well, you're hunting down all this ASA, you have everybody on like bubble lockdown, and you know that these two metahumans are like operating or three metahumans are operating within this bubble and you're letting them be exempt from what everybody else is going through, that can't happen. Right, so, they can't use their powers, but they're not correct. being hunted. It's not like the ASA has an APB exactly. out and for Anissa. Exactly. They're, just, they're not allowed to use the powers or stay out after curfew. Exactly, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Titans... Mm-hmm. So this one was called Connor. This is basically an hour-long Superboy yeah, you origin called it, story. Yeah, 100% you called it from yeah. last time. Yeah. Okay, you win. Super, super. I still want Cordy that, Fly. That part, That's all it is. That part felt a little contrived because he just happens to be in the, in the city at Why the not? exact moment and he's People's right there. People's paths cross. Yeah. Why is that weird? But the the Batman's former sidekick just happens to cross paths, or Batman's current sidekick too. <laughs> all of Batman's sidekicks yeah. just happen to cross paths with the one and only clone of Superman, the the the... First day he's in town, like that seems. Why not? Seems a little overly coincidental to me. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that is. I um, think that's a pretty classic. So, what did you meme. think of this as a super Superboy origin story? I, I really think it was an interesting it. take. So, I mean, in the comics, in the comics originally, he was like this cool, 
teenager with an attitude guy with the mm-hmm. fade haircut and yeah. the little round shades and the leather jacket, right? Yeah. Um, then then the later comics, the Jeff John stuff, introduced the whole Lex Luthor aspect of his DNA and made him more of kind of like an angry loner kind of mm-hmm. guy, but mm-hmm. still with the heart of gold. Then the Young Justice cartoon, especially in the first season, really played up the whole angry weapon guy who has to learn how to be a person. Right. right? This one is more like kind of like Frankenstein's monster because he's he's a like little. this man child who's got all this power but he yeah. doesn't know how the world works he doesn't know his own strength right right and I've never seen that version of him before it's almost yeah, like it's almost new. like part super part classic superboy part bizarro almost almost like this yeah. guy with a childhood mentality who's it like let loose in the world bizarro. if they ever make a bizarro um on the show I mean that that right there well you could just use match which is what uh, young justice did which is basically the bizarro superboy Young Justice used him already. He's a character from the comics. Okay. Um, I wasn't talking about Young Justice, though. I was talking about... um. I know, but it, but the door is already open here. Because they, oh, they even oh. had that room of failed Superboy clones, yes, right? Did. So they could that just do disturbing. what Young Justice did. And, oh, one of them actually kind of worked, and that's match. What you did know? you think of the Eve character, or whatever her name was? The one that, the scientist that spent six years and uh, I thought said she was no. a really like, good character. I thought she was, I thought she was a good... Agreed. Like, she was imperfect, but she was still... Dedicated. She was more. still... Um, um, Empathetic, yeah. not empathetic. Like she, she was. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, sympathetic. She was a sympathetic character, right? Um, like mm-hmm. we, she was flawed, and she was not. She was not like the 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 sainted character who's going to show Connor the best side of humanity and what his true path is. She's like, no, don't use your powers. Don't be a hero because mm-hmm. not only are they going to come after you, you're as much Lex Luthor as you are Superman, and you could end up <laughs> getting really angry and killing a bunch of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, yeah. towards the end of that, that's not what her message was. Towards the end of that, when she realized that he he really was conflicted and he didn't want to be evil, he didn't want to do that, she actually dug deep for him. That's not her, her takeaway. Her takeaway was keep yourself safe. Don't use your powers. Know, not but, because you could do I know, harm. But it, it points during the she episode. She pointed to him. Yeah. She pointed to him ultimately. Like, yes, you're right. Uh, during the points of the, uh, during earlier parts of the episode, she was questioning that and he was questioning it also. But ultimately she said, like, dig deep. Like, why did you do X, Y, Z? Because the old man was in trouble and it's not fair. Um, okay, and why did you, you know, the other... But then she said, why did you kill all those guys? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, because I was angry, right? Like, No. There was... A, there was, there was no because I was angry. There was because they were doing this, and yeah, it was unfair. Yeah, but Superman would have, would have saved the guy without I know. killing anybody. I so, know. So her, her point was, you, you did the right thing, but you went too far. So you have right. to be careful because you're as much... Luther as you are Superman. I think that's the takeaway of the episode. That wasn't that wasn't the note that they parted on. The yeah. note that they parted on was keep yourself safe right. because I'm worried about you and you could end they could end up finding you. Right. But the episode was very much presenting us the audience yeah. with the idea that he could he could still go either way. And right, now exactly. thankfully he's met up with the Titans and Dick will, you know, set him straight. Mm-hmm. But if he'd met up with Deathstroke instead, he could just as easily have been this Right, I manipulated, threat. yeah. Whereas the Superboy in the comics was a hero for years before he learned that there was any Luther in him at all. And then there was, they sort of teased the idea that, well, maybe he could go bad one day, but it was always more like, what if Luther flips, flips a switch and there's some programming in his head? Not that he would choose to be really bad because he's already been a hero for like 10 years at this point in, the right, comics, right. in real time, not in his time. So the idea that he would all of a sudden go evil just because he learned that he has an evil dad yeah. would never really made any sense. But right. here from the beginning, when he's so unformed and raw and it's just sort of taking everything in right right like one person says the wrong thing to him or he makes one little mistake and that could be it for him he could Mm -hmm. go off on the wrong trajectory right yeah um and it almost happened what did you think of the whole 
What do you think of the whole sequence with uh, with Lionel Luther? Like, it's a very different Lionel Luther yeah. than, say, on Smallville, which the John Glover version is, of course, the version of Lionel Luther that, right. that everybody remembers. But this is a more, like, classic version of Lionel Luther, right? Because the, the, the original Silver Age version of Lex Luther, when they finally gave him an origin, was that he grew up poor in Smallville, right. friends with Clark Kent, and then he turned evil, right? So he right. would have had this backwoods farmer father Modest, who never yeah. really made anything of himself and then even the current justice league comics although they established that lionel luther was a genius at one point and he kind of got lobotomized mm-hmm. to forget all the stuff he knew about you know the the hidden forces and perpetua and all that stuff and that's why he was so angry and took it out on lex for the rest of his life is because he knew somewhere in the back of his mind that he had been great once and now he couldn't be anymore and he saw lex's greatness and that's why it angered him right mm-hmm. um so the idea of this drunken abusive lionel luther in some backwoods part of Smallville is, you know, not the version we think of the first jumps to mind because we all think of like rich industrialist John Glover. Right. But it's, it is a very, it is a traditional version and it's, it's always interesting to see, to contextualize a Lex Luthor that could have come out of that. Right. As opposed to like, oh, the unloved son of a distant billionaire, which is kind of a trope, right? Which is sure. what they did on Smallville, although Michael Rosenbaum and John Glover obviously both, both played it tremendously. Yeah. Um, what do you think of all those sequences? It, it, there are a lot of levels there, right? Yeah. Because you're like, oh, here's this kindly guy, but we know going in from Connor's memories that are Lex's that right. he was abusive and drunk. Right. So there's this sort of undercurrent to it, and we're like, is Connor gonna, is Connor Fashion, gonna like lose like, it and kill yeah. this guy? Like, is Luther gonna lose it and try to strike him, and Connor will defend himself, or are they gonna find him, or like, where's this gonna go? Like, there was a lot of. Right. A lot of cool tension in that scene. I think one of the most interesting things was when he was really kind of reliving a memory, when Connor was reliving a memory and almost struck, almost backhanded yeah. the blind man. Um, and that moment when they froze and he he said something like, oh, what did he say? He said something triggered by the memory. Connor said something like he finished a thought. He finished the thought in his mind. Yeah, I don't remember. And it happened to be in context and to see this poor man like not know that he almost got killed because with Connor's strength, his backhand would have inevitably like broken him. Um, It was just, it was a nice, it was a very mm, gut gut clenching moment for for the show. I think it was really good writing. It was even a good setup to that scene where you see he has a memory of, of a child walking through a cornfield. Yeah, and we're too. like, oh, that's one of Clark's memories. And perhaps indeed it was. Right. But then when we see him getting off the bus in Kansas and we're like, oh, there's going to be walks down the street and like, oh, I'm going home or whatever. And there's like, they, pan, the, they see a farmhouse and it pans over to, to a the mailbox. And like, oh, what's going to say Kent, right? Yeah. And then it says Luther. And we're like, what? Oh, crap, right? Yeah. And But then, but his memories are confused. Like maybe that was Clark's memory at first. Right. It's a mix. He's like, he remembers Clark's memories of Smallville, but he went to the the, the wrong house. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he went to the house because he remembers Luther's and address. He at, and he... And they knew each other, apparently, because when he described what he remembered, the old man right. identified, hey, that sounds like the yeah. old farm. Yeah. And, and, but, he, but Connor's memories were confused. He's like, no, there should be a barn. Yeah. And there should be, but he's like, no, we never had a barn. You must be thinking of the old Kent farm, right? So they're all jumbled in there. Yeah, no, that was, that was really cool. I think it's a, and what, what did you think of the performance of the Joshua Orpin who plays um, Connor? What did you think of his performance? I thought it was great. He's, he he's played- got this interesting look to him. I, I saw him originally, and I, I thought like he looks a little, I don't know, and not not the actor on his own, but like when I saw like stills from the episode, uh-huh. and it's like in costume, in character, and I'm like he looks a little like I don't know, like dull or something. Like he, he's too 
You know what I mean? Hmm. But that's the way they played him. They that's played exactly him as like this young, innocent yeah. guy. But I'm used to the Superboy who's like this confident, brash, almost overly so And you will so get that. Times. You want to know something interesting? Maybe, because but I'd be fine if we didn't. If we got, if we got a more we won't gentle, get it immediately. childlike Superboy. Let me amend. We won't get it immediately, but we got hints of it when he was talking to the dog and he said, we got to get out of here. And then he sees the, you know, right before he sees the farm, that moment where he felt certain in what they had to do next, that was right there, a moment where uh, it was like, okay, that's the Superboy we're gonna see but right there he was still emerging out of the chrysalis and still spreading his wings for the first time and so when he was looking dumbfounded around the world and accidentally mugged that poor old lady like that was just childlike innocence and he played it really well i really liked his performance and all those little things i think he must have had fun too because as an actor you like a, th a role that gives you multiple facets to a character and he got to really just play quite a few of them because he got to play sadness when and and regret and rage and injustice and confusion and um i don't know awe he got to play all of those things in turn and so i i don't know it was just he played all of it well and i think it was a really well written version of this character if they decided to do it this way i'm glad they cast this person this could, to it. this could almost read as the pilot for a superboy show if you just cut off the last five minutes and it ends with his his only friend mm -hmm. the scientist lady eve being killed by mercy or whatever right. and then he has to go on the run with crypto and it's mm -hmm. like the the incredible hulk tv show or the fugitive or something with him and crypto on the run being being chased by mercy and her goons right going from town to town week to week learning about humanity and helping people like it's, it sounds a little cliched when i describe it that way but that would be a cool premise for like a superboy tv show yeah kind of thing yeah but instead here he's going to get I don't know how the, all this stuff will dovetail ultimately and make sense with all the Destro stuff right. that's happening. Cause, and know. poor Crypto. We need to save Crypto. Yeah, we'll have <sighs> to find him. But yeah, no, I think it was a good episode. So so we should talk about Batwoman. So we've watched the first two episodes. I think the second was stronger than the first because to me the first one seemed like it was sort of rushing to set up too much stuff. It was. Um, um, yeah, as far as pilots go, they really wanted to set up a, a backstory, all the characters and the villain. Uh and the, the motivations for all of them. It's a lot to do in a show. I didn't think and they needed to do that Some of it felt like much. shorthand. I didn't no, think I know. they needed to have her in a costume. But I think they felt like they needed to have her in a costume by the end, even I'm, though it's I'm not her did. final costume. <laughs> but I think they could have done a slower burn on it. You could know what done. I mean? In some cases, yeah. I think, that, I think they could have paced it out a bit more. Like she was back in Gotham like five minutes into the episode. Like I feel like you could have had more going on where it could have been like the, the, the first hour of Batman Begins or something where we see his see her travels mm -hmm. see what the situation is like back in, back in Gotham maybe the, the pilot ends with her coming back and the reveal of Alice or something like that. I don't know I rewrite it but um, so but I think that the, I think that the writing I think the writing is stronger in the second episode too but I think that overall it's, it's being well written I think the cast is good I think the music is good I think the set design is interesting I'm, I'm happy that they're getting to use as much bat stuff as they are yeah like you kind of feel like well they greenlit a batwoman show but are they really going to get to use all the tropes but no yeah. they're getting to use a bunch of the comics and they're name dropping robin and alfred and characters like that lucius fox they um, name drop lucius fox and um luke fox in the comics is um i can't remember well as he is here he's lucius fox's son right they've changed him a little like i'm glad they didn't my worry was he was going to be like the new curtis Mm, where I he was going to yeah. be all quippy and pop culture because don't you feel like all these shows like because we had we had Felicity on Arrow and then we had Cisco on Flash okay and we had Wynn on on Supergirl right like the tech guy is always like 
the quippy, more the quippy pop culture yeah. comic relief character. And I'm like, that was not Luke Fox in the comics. Please, please don't make him that. His thing in the comics was that he was he was brilliant because he inherited his father's genius, but he was like the black sheep of the family, and he went into like MMA fighting basically instead of becoming. Right, a tech guy, and then ultimately, like in the recent Batgirl comics, he's come back around. He's got his own like tech startup in Burnside and stuff like that. Right. And he's still, and of course, he becomes Batwing, but he's like the mm-hmm. tech guy of the. He's like right. the new tech guy of the Bat family when they use him essentially. But that's my question to you: is do you think he'll don the Batwing persona? Oh yeah, it's this is this is. I like, hope so. <laughs> this is like yeah, this is like putting putting Cisco and Caitlin in the pilot of the Flash. It, like yeah, they're obviously they're ultimately going to become Vibe and Killer Frost. Like you don't. I'm glad they have each other for friendship because, <laughs> um, I think he's an important. They well, really well, did a brilliant job. Uh, well, let, they, let me just they, let me finish my thought about his characterization though before you go on to the way he is here. Just just contrasting with the comics. Like I said, in the comics, he had the the tech genius, and he eventually sort of found his way back to that but he's also like the this cool heartthrob you know super martial artist mma fighter guy who was sort of the black sheep of the family and ultimately sort of got sort of through through no fault of his own kind of ended up getting mixed up in the bad family again and coming back and doing the whole thing whereas here he seems like a less confident version of his father basically where he's like do we even know if he has a lot of he doesn't he seems like he has some tech aptitude but it seems like it's mostly just from being the caretaker of all this stuff for so long because yeah. he didn't even know how to work most of it, right? He didn't know how to work so the So he doesn't really computer. seem like a tech genius, but he also doesn't come across as an MMA fighter. So it's kind of like he's more confident than like your Felicity or your Curtis, but he doesn't seem like he quite has the physical chops of the version from the comics. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see where they where they go with him. But go ahead. You were saying as far as the portrayal here is concerned? I just really like that it they how they used him to do the expository text that's necessary so that we understand um, just what she's facing and what all that equipment on the wall really is and the fact that, you know, um, he doesn't even know what all of it does because he's not the one that invented it. And so he he knows it's one of a kind, but he doesn't know all of the pieces, what they do and what their functions are. But it's nice because I, I just like it when a script does this is they show you a couple things and then one of them becomes important and germane to the plot of the episode right, later like on. The it's nice. Later. Yeah, but you, of course. You need, to have a guy, you need to have a guy who's like a link to the past, right? Like yeah. he's the guy who who knows about Batman. And knew Bruce. Knew Batman was Bruce yeah. Wayne. Kind of probably grew up around him, right? As Lucius yeah, Fox sure. Hassan, he probably yeah. would have been like Uncle Bruce basically. Um, has a lot of respect for Batman, knows who Batman is. Knows how to keep a secret. Is able to set Kate straight when Kate is like, oh, Batman, let my family die kind of thing, right? Right. Like, you need this guy who's kind of like the keeper of the flame. Hmm, That's him, To to sort of encourage Kate to to be worthy of the mantle. Mm -hmm. If she had discovered all this stuff on her own, then you need someone to be like the old Bruce to the Terry McGinnis. You need someone to to be telling them, you know, this is the way you do this, not just letting them run off on their own, right? Right. Um... I'm, now I'm wondering, this is a complete non sequitur. We'll get back to the talking about the characters in a second. But do you think, what, what are they, is she going to meet Kevin Conroy in the in the crossover? And will that canonically establish, like how, because Bruce has got to be, he was Batman 15 years ago when her family went off the bridge. Even if he was just starting out as Batman then, he'd be pushing 40 now. And Kevin Conroy is considerably older than that. Right. But if they ultimately do cast a Bruce Wayne for the show, he'd have to be older than he wouldn't have traditionally... To be- but he wouldn't have to be the age of her parents. No. I don't think so. Because you could easily see if she was maybe 13, she be 14. She age, though. When she was, a, she was an early teenager when that happened. Well, they said it was 15 happened. years ago. Right. So even if, he was only, even if he was only in his early 20s when that happened, he'd be about 40 now. So they so? 
Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. That's but, a big difference. Yeah, but he should he shouldn't be like when they ta- cast Tyler Hecklin for Supergirl. Right. They they have to have a line in there where they said, oh, you know, Kryptonians. You, you still you still look sure. younger. So that's why he looks twenty five, even though he's playing a character that's supposed to be in his forties or something, right? Because he's been Supergirl's been on Earth for however many years, and he was already Superman by the time that she got here. Right, they but had you, to explain you could that. buy that he's in his thirties or something. Tyler Hecklin, sure, he's, you could he's buy maybe that. thirty, he but he's supposed, to be, he's supposed to be considerably older. That's why people were speculating that they would, they would try to get Tom Welling, for example, because he is right uh, now aged about appropriately. The age yeah. That, mm-hmm. um, so I, I do wonder what they would do if they ever do that. And if they have her meet Kevin Conroy, are they going to be like, you don't look anything like my cousin? Or, or whether it's, oh, you look just like my cousin, but 20 years older. Like, I wonder if they'll have some sort of conversation there. Um, so let's leave Ruby Rose for last. So we get a couple of characters who I think are, I think the Mary co- character, her stepsister, I think that she's a new character. She kind of reminds me a little bit of like the the Betty Kane Flamebird character, who's Kate's other cousin, I think, in the comics. A cousin on her mother's side mm-hmm. and not her father's side, or vice versa. Whichever one right, is not right. the king. Not the yeah. married to the not, not tied to the wings. Right. Yeah. Um, she becomes Flamebird later, and so they, she was actually Batwoman's kind of like sidekick briefly before she went off and did her own thing. Um, I wonder if they're going to use the Mary character for that later on. But the idea that her father remarried, mm-hmm. um, and it's someone who Kate is not particularly fond of, I'm pretty sure is out of the comics. I'm trying to remember. They didn't do a lot with that. But I think her father did remarry, and I think it was to someone named Catherine. Hmm. We do get hints here um, in this in the, the end of this second episode that she's kind of involved in things because she was the one that sent the goons out to get the knife back from Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think they're going to have those characters be a bit more central. And it was a fun twist with the Mary character where she, we think she's going to be like this vapid in, Instagrammer. Instagrammer, right? yeah. And it turns out she's actually running like a free clinic. Part of me wonder if they were going to name drop Leslie Tompkins. If we, oh, like I'm running this thing out of the old abandoned Tompkins clinic or something like mm, that. Would yeah. have been a cool thing to mention. Um, and then her mother. Then we get Jacob Kane. Um, I, I, so I wasn't quite, so I liked him in the, in the pilot, but he was very, he was kind of, he had nice scenes with his daughter, but he was very much the, came, came across to me as kind of one note, like the gruff military guy. Yeah. I did like the scenes in the second episode though, um, mostly in flashback because in the present, even when they're talking about family stuff, he's still the gruff military guy by and large, but that, that is his character. He's yeah. the no nonsense military guy. I did like the scenes in the flashbacks though in the second episode where we saw him dealing with the grief of having lost his daughter and then having to deal with Kate who wanted to keep looking even when the evidence came up that Beth was dead. Right. He breaks down in the, in the chair there. Do you there. think it's false evidence? Do you think he falsified it so his daughter could let Do go? Do I think he falsified yes. it? No. No, either, either some, no, he would not. That would be, well, I mean, I guess they could make him a very different character from the comics, but in the comics, no, he's too, he's he's too much of a straight arrow to do that. Like okay. when he does, when he does, well, it's good to know that you know that. But when I, he does weird, weird kind of like antagonistic things in the comics, is more just because he's kind of like a. You remember the recent arc in James Tynion's thing where he set up? It's kind of similar. They adapted a lot of that here, where he had his own separate paramilitary organization that that came up against the Bat Family, and they were at odds a lot of the time. And he was trying to recruit Kate. Do you remember that oh. away from the Bat Family? Yes, that's right. What was it called? Um, something. I think it might have even surveillance or something. Control? No, it was. Um, it might have even been called the Crows. I don't remember. They didn't get that name out of nowhere. So. There was something to do with that in the comics. At, at any rate. Anyway. Um, that's the furthest he goes, where he's sort of he's at odds with Batman because he wants to impose like a military order on Gotham as opposed to the more what he sees as Batman's more loosey goosey thing of, of turn the man, turn the criminals in safe and unharmed to just be re- the revolving right. door of Arkham. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the classic trope of of someone you know 
opposing Batman because they want a more final solution. So that was as far as he ever went towards being a villain in the comics. And that was even later stuff. Early on, he was like Kate's guy in the chair, basically, where he was he was monitoring her and helping mm-hmm. her on her missions and training her afterwards and so on. <clears throat> and I like that. I always liked that that... Because you think that he would be similar to what it seems like they're setting up here. He'd be opposed to her. Mm-hmm. But he was on board the whole way because he knew that the whole the whole thing that was cool about her in the comics was that she she had this this code and she her whole life she wanted to serve. That was her thing is she wanted to serve. And she was told she couldn't anymore. And that was when she completely lost her direction. And when she found it again was when Batman saved her from from a mugging or something in an alley when she was like too drunk to defend herself or something. And there was a great shot I remember because J.H. Williams III would do this thing where different characters would be drawn with different art styles. And he would draw Kate in one way. And when Batman came in and saved her, it's like he stepped out of a completely different world. And Kate became part of it. And when he swung off and she looked up and she saw the symbol in the sky, you saw it's like she's found her new... She, she needed... It's like mm-hmm. she couldn't wear the the American flag, but she's found her new symbol, mm-hmm. right? Like she didn't even know that Batman was her cousin then, but she's like, that's it. That's how I can serve. That's mm-hmm. how I can serve Gotham is by being a bat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the cool thing there. And that's that's what her her whole thing has been about. So, and and his and that's why he was willing to help her is because he's like, okay, my daughter was lost for a long time, but now she's found this new purpose, and I can either get on board or I'm, I could lose her. And right. this, but this is what she this is what she needs to do, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to support her. Right. That was, I always thought that was cool because it was not necessarily what you would expect from a hard nosed military father. You would kind of expect the dynamic that it seems like they're sure. setting up here. And maybe he will come on board. It's usually the way these shows go is that at the beginning nobody knows who the hero is, and after right. a season or two, everybody knows, and they're basically one big team. Right. 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 Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes, and then we've got we've got Alice. Yeah, we got Rachel Scarsden de- demonstrating a heck of a lot more range than she did as as uh, Dinah twenty years ago on Birds of Prey on the, the CW's oh, Birds of Prey series, where yeah. she was like fifteen on that show or something like that. Yeah, and she, she was fine, but she was like a kid actor basically, sure. and she was not. They weren't giving her the best material either, but she she was probably the the weakest aspect. They're of that giving show, her a lot to say. do in this one, and she's doing she's it really, really well. Good yeah, here. like mm-hmm. it could. It's tricky because you don't want it to be like the Mad Hatter where like everything she says right. has to be direct a direct quote from something. Mm-hmm. It's more just like she adopts she says the lines sometimes, but it's more about the trappings and the mm-hmm. and the 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 way she carries herself and right. you know, her the costuming and so on. But but to get back, sorry, did, did you said you, I went off on a whole thing because you said you think her father faked the the bone fragments. Yeah. I think either somebody else faked it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot we don't know about Beth, right? Like, how did she? Did, she's learned to fight somehow. Yeah, she got, she went crazy somehow, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's more to it than just like they'd stop looking for her. Mm-hmm. I think maybe somebody bad found her and twisted her mm-hmm. and planted the bone fragments, or it could just be as simple as she was severely injured in the fall and mm-hmm. she fractured her skull, mm-hmm. and there were bone fragments that washed up on some farm mm-hmm. or something, And but somebody found her and nursed her back to health. Mm-hmm. But that's why she's, the way she Loopy, is now, yeah. she has brain damage. Like, mm-hmm. it could also be that. Um, I'm trying to remember in the comics if they, I think they did, I think she was supposed to be mentally ill. I don't think anybody actually turned her into Alice in the comics, but I could be wrong about that. Um, and then the comics, they kind of redeemed her after a while. Like, Kate got her help, and she, she, became this this sort of like semi-hero, anti-hero called Red Alice because she went back to her natural red hair color but kept a lot of the Alice trappings. Mm. That was sort of later, but I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um, But I think she's doing a good job too. 
And I think it's smart to have a villain, like an overarching villain. Yeah. Like like the Tobias Whale in Black Lightning or Thawne in the first season of yep. Flash. Someone who's closely tied to the hero, has like a personal stake for the hero. Because if they just decide to come back to Gotham and fight crime because there's crime in Gotham. Right. Then it kind of feels like, I don't know, you need something to propel the hero's mission. Especially someone who's have... reluctant a hero as Kate is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because I... Oliver came back. He's like, I'm going to clean up this city. And it didn't matter who they were. They were just names to him, right? He didn't have a personal stake. His personal stake came from his father who gave him the mission, not someone who was specifically fighting. But I feel like unless you want to cap- copy Arrow directly, and they're already getting knocks for this show kind of being like basically a, a gay female version of Arrow, which in some ways I That's can kind of, see, kind of see. But I think the ways, the, ways in which it's simil- the ways in which it's similar to Arrow there are ways in so which it's very... Well, I know, but hold on. So. The ways in which it's very similar to Arrow, and they do exist, are ways in which a lot of superhero origin stories exactly. and vigilante stories are similar to each exactly. other. It's not that they're specifically trying to ape Arrow. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really put a lot of stock in that. No. But what do, you, what do you think of... So you were actually a little hesitant about Ruby Rose... After the, after, you're frowning. Do you oh. not remember after the after the Elseworlds crossover last year, where we saw a little bit of her in one of those episodes, which I guess takes place after this, right? It must be so, because oh, she's yeah. fully formed yeah, that yeah. woman there. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like, you know what? I'm not getting the like you 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 made the analogy to Grant Gustin, where the second he walked on screen in that Arrow episode, you're like, oh, oh I, I, I want to see more of this guy. Yeah. Right? Whereas here, you're like, I'm not. I'm really not feeling fe- like I could grow to like this person, but I'm not feeling the instant connection that I did to him. Have you yeah. sort of turned around on her after after these? This these episode, this episode made me turn around uh, completely. Backdoor like, pilots I'm, are always backdoor like, pilots are always they're, tricky. They're not only that, but she only had about five minutes of screen yeah. time, whereas before they focused a lot more on and Barry. You got no a lot more out of it. She had, she had no, no development in that either. Like the thing about interesting Barry on Arrow is that we got to see him grow and see him before he became the Flash. Here, she's already this opaque, distant Bat figure. Right. It doesn't really emote very much. And right. like, who is this? But I, I also think that, I mean, I was looking for a lot of, hmm, because I knew who she was going to be, um, who, who she was going to be playing too. I was, I, I sort of had a little more expectations than before Barry because that was a genuine surprise to me. But here I knew it was coming. And so I was, I was looking to see what, well, what, what, what was I a genuine would draw. surprise? You didn't know Barry I didn't, was the Flash? Correct. Oh, yeah, at right. the yeah, first time that I saw about that. No, I because it boggles the mind. But I guess you hadn't even <laughs> met me when you watched that. No, so. no, no. I recognized. No, 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 no. Incorrect. I did not. I did know Barry Allen. But as soon as he introduced himself, I was like, Oh my God, that's going to be the Flash! Ah! Uh, but I didn't see it coming, so I didn't know this character. I thought he was a cute, bubbly, quirky love potential for Felicity Smoke, yeah. and that was all it was. And then they they were, sort of had conversations and interactions, and you got a flavor for who this quirky. L- always late to all the places, person, dedicated youngster CSI. He looked like a total rube. Well, I, I rewatched that scene the other day, and yeah. he, you go back and watch that. He looks like he's 12 years I old. Know, like he, I know. He has a boyish face, but yeah. now he looks like he's roughly the age he is because yeah. he's kind of matured a little bit. Yeah. But, but he looks like he's 12 in that episode. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> anyway, good, sorry. It's super cute. But uh, long story short, I didn't really have any preconceptions because I didn't know it was going to happen. And so to me, it was a complete surprise. And I was like, oh my God, that's going to be better. You know what? I can totally see it. I can totally see it. Yes. Um, but here, I knew that they were going to do this. And so I was waiting for the scene. And I was waiting for her performance. And I was waiting to see this introduction to the character first time in live action. Like, I was very excited and very, very sort of focused on every single... I was hanging on her every word. But I was like, oh, I think this must be like the fir- some of the first stuff she's filmed. Because it doesn't feel like she fits inside the whole character. And 
I don't get a sense for who the character is and I don't get a sense for whether or not I like her performance. Like, obviously they cast her for a reason, but I didn't really feel it when I first saw her. And in the pilot, I knew that it was like rush, rush, rush a little bit and I got uh, snippets and moments of her her acting ability. But again, it was like, I, I knew that the pilot was a little bit choppy because they were trying to do very, very much in a limited amount of time, which I appreciated. And so I was sort of like, you know, following from each jump to each jump but for this episode because of how well it flowed together and how well everything tied together episode and, and yeah the last two. the last episode that we saw and how well we were able to focus on her character now that we knew more about her now that she was established and also now that the actress herself had more time with the character it's starting to really gel and i am i'm on board i'm I knew that I would be, and I knew why I was feeling what I was feeling when I was feeling it, <laughs> but that's my journey with her, so that's yeah, it, I mean the I, to I have question. the the casting department for these shows has has practically is practically batting a thousand oh, yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. They would like not guest, cast her if like she guest, was subpar. There's been guest stars now and then, and people they've brought in like the potential to recur, and they didn't really work out, and we don't really see them again. But as far as like the main cast yeah. of these shows, and especially the stars, they're batting a thousand. So I, I knew that I knew that they cast her for a reason. But I think that it's, I didn't, from my perspective, I didn't doubt that she'd be able to play the aloof badass mm -hmm. because she just has that vibe about it <laughs> yeah. it's like you look at Stephen Mel and you're like yeah I can buy that he could play a taciturn <laughs> tough guy yeah or you look at Grant Gus and you're like I believe that he could play like a lovable nerd like or Melissa he, Benoist I believe that she could play a goofy uh, yeah very goofy you know, very quirky, awkward yeah. yes but but I'm like okay well will Ruby Rose be able to play because there's a lot more to, to Kate Kane than that it's like will right. she be able to play the daughter will she be able to play the the bereft sister exactly. will she be able to play will she be able to like joke with with Luke Fox a little bit will she be able to play the intelligent problem solver borderline yeah. on par with Batman detective skills detective well, I don't know if I like, go that far no because she is the, she's good I'm not saying that she's one of the best I'm uh, saying she's good yeah and so she has to be able to think uh, quick on her feet does she have the mil like you said military stuff but bereft sister like yeah uh, interactions with her father, like the push and pull of their dynamic. Um, and all I of think those. it is. I think it's the hardest, the hardest one to warm up to since Stephen Amell, because with 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 um, with Barry, we got like he's a much more instantly likable character because that's the way he's. Written. Yeah, I know. Then, you know, same with Kara, right? Even Jefferson, you know, for, especially for people that are that are closer to our age than than Barry's, mm -hmm. right? And have families and stuff like, and and of course, Chris Williams is fantastic, but yeah. but. Those characters are more like instantly likable than Oliver right. was in season one of Arrow, where he's like this no nonsense, you know, gruff killer guy, right? Right, right. And I think that Ruby Rose's Kate is is closest to that than to any of the other protagonists we've gotten so far, where she's supposed to be aloof and distant right. and a little unlikable to the people around her at first. She's a bit abrasive, you know, um, but that's the way she's supposed to be, like Oliver, right? And I think, like with Stephen Amell as as Oliver, it took a while to see. It took they, not until they introduced Felicity, for example, and he had someone to bounce off of in sort of like a romantic way. Although it wasn't played as romantic for the first few years, but mm -hmm. in retrospect, you know, they had that banter early on. Right, right. Um, it's not until they started to warm the character up a little bit and he got to play more shades of the character that I think a lot of people got on board with him. Whereas if I remember early on, they were getting he was getting a lot of reviews where he's like, you know, he's a capable lead for the show, but he's he's definitely not one of the strong the standouts for as far as acting ability is on the show. When you mm -hmm. had Susanna Thompson and and uh, John Barrowman and other people like that in the show, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think there'll be this. I think it's the same here where you instantly see that she could grow 
that not it's through no fault of her own. Like mm-hmm. she, it's not like she's she needs to step it up or whatever. I just feel like the show needs to needs to give her more and more, and we need to see more sides of her before we can really see her her full range, which I believe she's capable of. But I just feel like like the first couple of episodes of Arrow, we're being shown a very narrow slice of her personality so far, and we're seeing element we're seeing. Other other sides of it probably faster than we did with Oliver, but I feel like it's closest to that hmm. than it is to Jefferson or Barry or Kara, you know, and so maybe that's why people are having a and 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 you're you're not your reaction is not unlike a lot of other people's when I'm they sure. felt like she was like oh she's she's probably going to be a weak link in the show until she sort of grows into it, but I think that was just because you don't have that really easy in with her that you did with characters that were a no. lot more relatable. I honestly also don't think that um, they, they serviced her really well. Like her introduction in was... A, in yeah, the in the... No, in Elseworlds. In, well, that was that's hard though because... That's and, and tough, you're, you're not, I know. You're not wrong, but what they wanted to do was they wanted to just give you a... They wanted to have a back character in there for the coolness factor. They wanted to tease her show. Right. And they could have gone two ways. They could have had her be like not... They could have had it take place in chronological order, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, not after these episodes where she's not Batwoman yet, right? They could have just introduced her as Kate Kane, right? <laughs> yeah. As, like wandering the world or whatever or doing whatever or training and she gets messed up. She gets she gets embroiled yeah. in what's happening with, with Barry and Oliver somehow. Right. Um, and that would have that probably would have made it easier to get to know her and get to like her. But you wouldn't have had the coolness factor of having a Bat character in that crossover, which is obviously what they wanted to do, right? So they went the other way where you have her be Batwoman fully formed. But Batwoman fully formed, once she knows what she's doing, is like no nonsense and all this stuff in costume anyway. Right. And so that's what you got. I that's think all you got. I think the best introduction, I know, but the best introduction would have been not the whole scene where you see her out of costume and that's their first interaction and conversation where they don't know who she is. We're getting a wink, wink to the audience. Oh, this is who you, you think it is. But she's unwilling to help which is uncharacteristic there's a, a very bad thing to do that. it is a little bit to i, I just don't think it was earned on, i know a, a gotham is my primary gotham is concern. my primary yeah 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 i just didn't you know what a, what would have been a better introduction for that character if they wiped all that and had her be out of costume at a later scene but the first she thing that we see that's what i was wanting yeah. that the whole thing with arkham and the van and that amazing fall that she did and she squishes the top of the van and she's like kind of has that look and over the shoulder and it was all working for me in the cape and everything with the red hair yes that was the introduction that they, she deserved, that she should have had. And not only that, but it would have been fan-freaking-tastic if she kind of dealt with the scene in a way that is correct for the setting in which she is. In terms of, okay, she was in Arkham. They don't know that it's, you know, what Arkham is. They're setting foot in, in foreign territory. They're not behaving... They're not solving the problems because they don't know what the problems are. But she is. She knows. She she saves the day. She saves their asses. And then she kind of looks to them. And her first words could be like, you, you're idiots. Come with me. <laughs> that would be tremendous. Like that would be, oh, that was what she deserved. But they didn't write it that way. And so the the whole loosey-goosey, wink-wink, nudge-nudge um, introduction where she's out of costume. And then she appears for like two freaking seconds in the back costume later on. No. And that's I, it was just not fair to the character, and I think she, Ruby Rose herself would have felt better. And this is me putting a spin on it to take a grain of salt, but I'm an actor, and so I can give you this perspective for how it would have felt for me if I were taking this on. It would have felt better to be in the costume to sort of get in the head of the character. And I think that part of that was missing when she was shooting so much as Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane, and not really as Batwoman yet. And this whole 
premise was that this is a well-established Batwoman in her element already. And I think part of that might have also affected her performance, not having that time with the character. And that's the end of my spiel. <laughs> so what else do you have to say about it? It's going to be weird. I'm just thinking through the last thing I'll say. I'm just th- thinking through the logistics. If, if Elseworlds hasn't happened for her yet... And say that, say she becomes Batwoman fully and gets her costume in another episode or two. Mm-hmm. The crisis is in like eight episodes. Mm-hmm. There is a year between last year's crossover and this year's crossover. Yeah. For everybody else. Do you yeah. see where I'm going with this? So is a year going to pass between uh-huh. episode five and episode 10 of this of this season? Yeah. Is it going to do a, like a one year later jump or something? Or are they just going to like, they're just, they're just going to ignore that? That's a good question. They can't even say it takes place. They can't even say it takes place on some other Earth where time passes differently because they've established it takes place on the same Earth on Earth One, right? We're on the Arrow Flash Earth. We're not on the Supergirl Earth or the Black Lightning Earth or some other Earth. So, right. They can't even do that. What the old comics used to do, which is time passes differently on Earth Two. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to do that. Yep. It'd be cool if they did. I don't. I I honestly just think they're just going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I think that uh, it might be cool if they did a one year time jump or something, right? And and everything that is... would be that would solve that problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, mm, but I feel like you'd tough. miss. I don't that, think they're going to. Then you'd do be like that, Fear though. the Walking Dead, where you skip yeah, over the most interesting part of the exactly. story. Like the most interesting part is Gotham that. learning to accept this new back character, her learning how to live up to that mantle. You know, and they talk to her. Yeah, because that's another thing that they did with Elseworlds. Oh. They went to talk to her after she was a stat. Mm-hmm. I did not even consider that. Huh. That's going to be a tough road to hoe. So. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But that's it for our shows. I'm still excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And on Twitter. Nope. I already told you Twitter. How about the website? www.smartspodcast.com. I'm still getting back into the groove of things. Uh, how about a funny sound for us? Yeah, I have one. How about this? Ooh. That's her on the uh, roof of the van. Good job. Yeah. <laughs>